Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 36 of the Double Density Podcast. Brian? Brian? Uh, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> hey, Angelo. I'm trying to keep the holiday spirit moving, even though it's January. So can you just let me finish the classic song as interpreted by the Peanuts gang? Or do you want to get into the episode? I, you know what? Let me, let me see where that goes. No, no I'm not going to keep singing. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get back into the episode. All right, great. How's it going, Brian? Uh, good, great. So if you're, uh, you know, to everyone, if you're listening to this, congrats. We survived 2017. We're now 2018, just on the cusp of uh, the edge of 2018, pretty much. Uh, you know, so it's January 3rd. We're here. We're alive. We are well. I want to keep the holiday spirit going, but that's clearly not the case. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well and getting ready to talk about some of our favorite things. This won't be really a standard type episode because it's it's been the holidays. We've been busy, so we wanted to do something um, a little different. And we're going to be talking about our favorite things. Well, that was my idea, the favorite things of 2017. But I think, Brian, you, you decided to bring a little bit of negativity into it. Right. Well, I want to talk about like the best, the worst, and what uh, intrigued us the most in 2017, I think, is like a, a better way of like doing it. I love how you decided to cast me in the Debbie Downer role. Brian Downer. Brian Bummer. Bummer <laughs> Brian. That's the, Bummer, Bummer Brian. Brian. It's just like the meme. Do you remember the meme of Bad Luck Brian? No, I have the kid with the braces with the black with the it's the school picture. He's got braces with the blue background. Why does that sound vaguely familiar? I'm not sure. Maybe I'll create one for this episode. We'll use that as the art. We'll see how that goes. Um, so uh, the only thing that we're retaining in this episode is we're dividing this, uh, of course, into our two regular segments. So there's going to be a tech um, portion of the show and then a paranormal ish uh, portion of the show uh, in which we discuss uh, likes, dislikes, and uh, all of the above. Uh, in that section. Yeah, it's going to be different, but it's still going to be a lot of fun. So uh, please don't turn it off right now. No, yeah, exactly. And as you can imagine, Angelo's 2017 was filled with a uh, really like a cornucopia of like Apple uh, news uh, devices and products. So I think it's safe to say, let's start with that before we move onwards to other things. Yeah, well, so this is a year where I actually updated pretty much um, the majority of my devices i got a new phone i got a new ipad which doesn't happen that often actually and uh, i got a new apple watch and the 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 apple watch is great Uh, it's it's so much faster than the original one but it's it hasn't changed too much in my day-to-day other than I'll, i'll probably use apps a bit more often and i don't have to worry too much about when i work out that the battery will be almost dead the iphone 8 pretty great I I like it quite a bit, but it's still just an iPhone. The thing I take away from it now is having a plus size phone makes a big difference in terms of uh, just what I can do. There's so much more screen real estate. I, I I was reticent to go to that big of a screen because I felt it sort of looked comical. Um, but something I did notice is that when you're holding an iPhone 8 Plus or any plus size phone in your hand, it doesn't really feel that big. It just like looks big when other people are holding giant iPhones. Um, but the major thing with it is the camera, which uh, I still can't get over. It's so good and so strong that uh, I don't really see myself wanting to pull out the DLS- DSLR that much anymore. But the biggest star of the year for me has been the iPad Pro. I didn't think I'd be using an iPad that much more than I was before, but I can do so much more with this iPad Pro that. It really has become um, pretty much a laptop for me. We've talked about this before, but 
yeah, apart from just being like a consumption device, I get a lot of work done on the iPad Pro. I I get a lot of prep for the podcast done. In fact, um, last summer when I was away, I brought the iPad with me and did an entire like uh, podcast prep with it. Uh, the only thing I didn't do was upload the episode, which was is something you did. Um, you got an iPhone too this year, right? Yes. Yeah, so I got an iPhone SE in March and it's great. The only drawback is I went for the 16 gig. So it is um, not as large as I like to be uh, in terms of being able to add files. Like I like to uh, manually add files to the podcast app. So that's kind of a, a downer for me. And also the new podcast app is uh, straight up horrible as I've discussed before. So uh, I I'm thinking about paying for Overcast, but we'll see how I feel uh, as 2018 continues. Well, the nice thing with Overcast is you don't really have to pay for it because it gives you a lot of the features without paying for it. There's just ads from time to time, but it doesn't really affect your podcast listening too much, um, if at all. Well, for me, it's just the it's the uploading offline podcasts that I can't do for free, right? So that's the issue. Yeah, and that is something that's great with it. And uh, definitely worth it. But I, I, I will come to think of 2017 as the year that Brian's bubble became blue. And uh, I'll never forget <laughs> that first text message I got and then sent to you. And I saw, oh, hey, your bubble's blue. And the funny thing is there's a couple of friends of mine who uh, had iPhones or have iPhones and they realized the change instantaneously. And it's it kind of weird. It's like joining a cult and learning the secret handshake because everyone was like, oh, hey, congrats on the blue bubble, guys. It, it really does make a, a big difference when, when you're looking at the screen. They, they nailed that harsh green color to make it seem like you, you really don't want friends with this color. You want them to be the nice blue. And I've noticed that other manufacturers have adopted the same thing where... I'll see a lot of Samsung phones and their uh, bubbles are all that nice, pleasant blue. I don't know if it differentiates between iPhones and Android phones because I don't think it's the same system. I think it's all just SMS messages. But I do see that um, in terms of that type of design, that's borrowed heavily from the iMessages app. Yeah, and beyond that, uh, the other thing that I find is a drawback for the SC is the lack of ability to, to uh, generally control the files on my phone. With an Android, I had much more versatility in terms of what uh, I allowed and didn't allow and in terms of being able to uh, offload or delete apps. I find uh, it a little bit grating because I don't actually use a lot of the preset ones right then. That could have saved me some space, especially on such a small phone. Um, that is one of the major advantages of Android where you have so much more control and I can understand. I, I like to joke that I can't, I don't understand why people use Android phones, but no, I, I do get it. There's uh, a lot of value there with what you can do versus what you can't do on iOS. I just think for the regular everyday person, an iPhone is a lot easier to use if it can fit your budget. And that's a big if because some iPhones are pretty expensive. For sure. And it also depends on the plan that you can get with this service provider. So mine was actually uh, relatively cheap based on the plan that I got with my with my phone provider. So that's one of the reasons that I did decide to switch over and take a look, because this is, as you were saying, my first iPhone. I've, you know, I've had Androids for a number of years now. So it's kind of interesting to look on the other side of the fence, too. Yeah, it it, it is. Uh, it is hard to to switch sometimes when you see that it's such a uh, a much more pricey endeavor. A lot of them, with my carrier, you can't get an iPhone unless you're paying for an $85 a month plan if you're a new customer. Right. And that's one of the drawbacks of living in a monopolistic state uh, as it is in Canada. And I don't know if we've discussed that before, but it is highway robbery here in Canada for uh, cellular telephone plans. Yeah, I, I have what 
most American friends would consider an expensive plan. And when I tell some of my friends here, they think the plan is like outrageously, outrageously good. Um, especially in Quebec, we're pretty lucky in Quebec that there is our, our cable company, Videotron, that sort of undercuts the competition with some of their prices. And I've used them as leverage to get a good deal with uh, my carrier. There you go. 2017 was also a very interesting year for me because I learned that it's the year that you're actually an insane person when it comes to safeguarding your photos. Well, I'm not insane. It's just my photos in terms of my data, I would say, are the most precious data I have. Uh, I, I, I can lose all my university papers that I wrote, which are all saved in, in Google Drive, but uh, I of wouldn't course. really care. The thing is with my photos, it's pictures of my kids, my family, my friends, going back all the way to 2003. And uh, I discussed this in episode five, where I lost an entire hard drive once. And luckily, it was at the beginning of my use of digital cameras. So I only lost a few hundred pictures, which isn't that much in considering the fact that I now have almost 29,000 pictures. Uh, there we go. That's the that's the other figure I wanted to bring up there. So uh, let's 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 look at the numbers right now. Um, I I currently have twenty eight thousand one hundred and three photos on my phone, one thousand seven hundred eighty five videos. Gee, that that doesn't sound like a lot at all. I mean, I get where you're coming from. So I guess uh, a message to hackers: uh, if you want, take Angelo's banking information, but leave his photos alone. Is what you're broadcasting out into the world. The banking information, that's all insured. People could rob me blind from my bank and they'll know it's not me. And all that money's insured. I wouldn't lose a penny. It, it wouldn't really matter. Now, uh, identity theft, not, not, a, not a fan of that. So please stay away from me with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had a neighbor of mine whose father got his identity stolen not too long ago. And it was quite a big, big mess uh, to deal with. So no thanks. Don't steal my identity. And uh, my photos... I am a little bit nutty with my backups, but in the grand scheme of things, with some of the podcasts I listen to and some of the, those hosts there, they are even more crazy when it comes to their backups. So I'm, let's say, on the uh, moderate to uh, heavy moderate uh, insanity of backups. <laughs> That is an interesting scale uh, to use, I guess, uh, in terms of how to describe yourself and your photo viewing habits. Uh, so moving on from photos to other pieces of tech. So uh, this year uh, we started this podcast. So on at first we were using SoundCloud, which had a decent app for stats, right? So SoundCloud Pulse was out there. Um, but you and I were afraid that SoundCloud would go under and that would mean that we would have to find a new hosting solution. So you... Uh, had taken up the task of using your internet powers to find something new. And now we reside and are very happy with fireside.fm, right? Yeah, I was looking at a lot of different things. And we were discussing this in SoundCloud in terms of cost was ridiculously cheap compared to things like uh, what were the, what was out there lisbon lisbon is that a that's a city no lisbon Lipson, yeah and uh there's podbean a whole bunch of and they're all great services but for hobbyists such as ourselves it, it was a little expensive right cuz we're we're paying for this whole thing right we don't have sponsors I, uh, do we have a sponsor this episode Brian no, but maybe 2018 will be the year in which we do find a sponsor. If you're interested in sponsoring us, you can hit us up on Twitter at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, same username on Instagram, double density dot net. If you want to hit the contact page and if you feel free to email us directly, double density podcast at gmail.com for all advertising opportunities. Plug, plug. Yeah, we don't have uh, tens of thousands of listeners, but we have 
we're getting into the we're getting into a decent amount of listeners now and we're pretty happy with the numbers we actually we had set ourselves a goal and we surpassed that goal this year so that's something else but getting back to fireside i'd heard dan benjamin talk about it on his podcast uh, when he was uh, kind of setting it up last year and um, throughout this year we've made some friends in the podcasting realm uh, one of those friends is uh, alexandre from the rgba podcast and he was really pushing fireside uh heavily towards us. He was saying it was great. And the thing that really caught my eye for the price, we get unlimited hosting and the website. So we went and bought a domain, uh, doubledensity.net. And now we have a nice website. And I, I like to think that having that website has helped with getting the word out there because it's a lot easier to send people to doubledensity.net than to say, uh, like, look us up on SoundCloud and uh, go to SoundCloud slash doubledensity. I don't remember what our, our SoundCloud URL was, but it wasn't as simple as just saying doubledensity.net. But yeah, I, I really like Fireside and um, I've had some really nice interactions with uh, Dan and his team on, on Twitter, as well as any issues we've had. They're so quick to respond and so helpful and really nice people. On top of it, they have their own podcasts and their own podcasting network. So they really know what podcasters want and need. Although I, I didn't mind SoundCloud. It's just you had this like sort of Damocles hanging over your head the whole time we were using it. Yeah, it was a really weird time to be a SoundCloud user because uh, I'd used it for previous podcasts. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. I don't know if it's going to be up uh, anymore by the time this airs, but I, uh, Angela used to listen to a podcast I was doing called The Prepared Show, and that was hosted on SoundCloud. And uh, so that was fine for about the, you know, eight or nine months that he's there. And then suddenly, uh, beginning in 2017 to, you know, June, July, August, it became clear that maybe this was not a sustainable model. So we proactively decided to switch over because our idea was to switch over when our contract ended uh, with SoundCloud right about now, pretty much. And we realized that it's better to jump ship now to a much more stable environment and get that done and set up everything earlier and having access to the website and being able to upload blogs and things like that. And there's much more added value to what we do now versus just having a SoundCloud that's tied to our socials. Something I um, can't express how much I appreciate using Fireside is how easy it is to create our show notes. So when when you go, uh, for this episode, we'll probably have links to uh, a few things, but um, it's so easy to set that up. So that's why when you're on your podcast app, you can just easily quickly and look at our show notes. Or if you're on the web, go to double density on net and all our show notes are there for you to click on whatever things we talk about, because I know I appreciate that as a podcast listener when I'm, I'm listening to show and I can easily go follow along with the show and see what the hosts are talking about. So uh, definitely fireside is one of the uh, bright spots of 2017 for Brian and I. And beyond that, the, you also use a program in order to capture uh, everything that we say uh, to each other during a podcast recording, because what we do is a double ender. So I record my and Angela records his own. But sometimes for whatever reason, we just like to have that safety. So you uh, purchased uh, Audio Hijack. Yeah, so I really like Audio Hijack by Rogue Amoeba. They're, um, they're like a longtime app uh, creator for the Mac, uh, back when they were called programs, probably. Uh, and uh, I originally had tried to use GarageBand like you do. And I just didn't like the way it created a giant file. Um, when I don't know how big the file is it creates for you, but when I was recording the first time, it created like a 1.2 gigabyte file. Yeah, it's about a gig. It's about a gig for me. It's just so well made. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to, to just for you guys to see what the grid looks like when you're creating a, a podcast or whatever you're recording. You could record anything you want on this thing. And it's just so easy to do. 
basically I can record into whatever audio file I want. We usually record into a high uh, quality file. I send that to Brian. He then puts it all together and makes it all sound nice and clean. I, I don't think I'd be able to record this podcast at this point with without audio hijack, or at least I would, but it wouldn't be as pleasant. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, it's that much easier to have that safety uh, net, as I like to call it, I guess, of uh, the extra files around, especially uh, on your end if you're recording the whole thing plus U plus I. So uh, big ups to Audio Hijack. And then uh, moving from uh, tech that affects the podcast to things we love uh, to play with, uh, this year was a great year for you because you rejected the business model that Nintendo had put forth for the NES Classic and decided to go the retro pie route. I was so going to get that snes mini classic whatever you call it and then there were those rumors that it wasn't going to come out here in quebec and uh, <laughs> i sort of panicked i guess i was like oh, i really want this thing and then i started looking into RetroPie. i've really enjoyed showing my kids the uh, games i grew up with the one worry i had was that they'd find these games overly primitive and sort of ridiculous looking and apart from a few comments here and there they've really enjoyed them and they don't really notice how, uh, let's say, simplistic some of these games look. It, they just enjoy how fun they are to play. The one we had the most fun playing, or there's a couple actually, but the one we played through all was Mega Man 2, uh, which was one of my favorite games as a kid on the NES. But they really also like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, uh, Turtles in Time, which I know has a special place in your heart, right, Brian? It really does. We did that episode, I think, in May or June, uh, recorded in May or June, but we dropped that in September, I believe, about our top SNES games. And uh, Ninja Turtles is on there, yeah, and I love that game so much. And I remember when I was a child playing with my mother and how much fun we used to have trying to speed run it and see how fast we could beat uh, the whole game together. So, yeah, definitely an enjoyable experience. And I'm glad that your kids, uh, the next generation, are uh, you know still enjoying it. Yeah, one of the other comments I got was that we were playing um, A Link to the Past on the SNES, and my son said it's really great, but he doesn't like it as much as the real Zelda, which means uh, Breath of the Wild, and that's another bright spot of this year. I held off getting Breath of the Wild because I wasn't sure if I was going to buy a Switch or not, and then I decided not to, so I just went ahead and downloaded it on the Wii U, which I have, one of the few people that has a Wii U, I guess. But um, it's really great on there. It, it was made for the Wii U anyway, and it works really well. We've been playing that since May, like pretty much a few times a week, and really enjoying it. We recently got to the DLC, and we've been playing through that. Funny that to my kids, that's the quote-unquote real Zelda. Zelda! 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 My uh, daughter has been coding at school. She's been doing this like after school coding thing and she's really enjoying it. And I've uh, been playing um, the uh, Swift Playgrounds with her on the iPad a bit. And she's liking that too. So coding for my kids, kind of cool that uh, kids that are eight years old, they're learning how to code on a computer nowadays. Well, uh, you know, back in the day, it used to be very arcane and uh, resources were very hard to find. I remember being seven or eight and finding a book uh, about uh, how to code basic at the library and already it was just it was so dense uh for an eight-year-old that i i didn't even dare approach it so kudos to your daughter for being able to pick that up uh at an earlier age and you know i think it speaks to the way in which uh different resources are now available to the next generation of kids in order to be able to learn these skills using uh, appropriate tools yeah it's funny she mentioned that they did something called logo 
which is uh, not the logo I did when I was a kid on the Apple II. Uh, did you ever play Logo? No, I was one of those lowly kids who had a three color, a, a monocolored CJA. So no. Well, yeah, but an Apple II was. This is like 1985. It was green. But that's what I'm saying is I never was able to to touch any of that. So thanks. As for me, I'm still holding out hope that 2018 will be the year that I end up with an SNES classic. I'd like one. I'm not going to, you know, lie. I really enjoy the concept of it. And while I've thought about getting a retro pie, I also just like the idea of, of the look and feel of the SNES classic. So I'm, I'm hoping that this year they're they're in theory, they're supposed to produce more in the next couple of months. So we'll see. And I'm willing to, uh, it's a decent price point here. So I'm willing to spend that money on one. They're not super duper hard to find. It's not like the NES classic, the SNES classic is a little bit easier. They actually kept their promise and made it easier to find, but, um, I don't know the retro pie really a fun route. It's a fun little project to do. My kids were amazed that that was like, it's this tiny little thing that you can do all these games with. But then, then I showed them an iPhone. I'm like, the iPhone's even smaller and it's more powerful. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, dad, let's just play these games. <laughs> Are you setting any video game goals for yourself for 2018? Like, is there anything you like to speed run or beat um, either on the retro pie or on a modern console? Have you given any thoughts of that yet as a personal project? Yes. So uh, I'm still playing through the illusion of Gaia, which is taking longer than I thought. It's just that I don't have that much time to always play, but I do want to play uh, Chrono Trigger and um, Secret of Mana. Those are two of the top games I want to play through this year for sure. And ultimately, depending on how things go, I would like to get a Switch. Same. I still haven't gotten one. And I really want to play Mario Odyssey. I've, like, it's going to get harder and harder to stay away from spoilers, although it's hard to kind of spoil a Mario game. But still, I don't want it spoiled at all. I do want to get a Nintendo Switch. That's something on my list of things to buy. And look, I have a new phone. I have a new iPad. I have a new watch. My iMac is definitely not going to get changed. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is my router sort of like on its last legs. It's an 2011 Airport Extreme. and um, Every once in a while, it kind of cuts out. So I'm hoping I don't have to change router because I'm not going to get myself a crappy router. So I'd probably be going the Eero route, which will cost over $400. So that's like most of the cost of a Switch. So hopefully that doesn't happen and I do get a Switch. Angelo out there spending that nerd money for those nerdy things, but I can appreciate that. So I'm also thinking about getting a Switch. I uh, It's definitely one of those longer term uh, savings projects, I guess would be the best way of putting it, right? So it's not something that you just walk up and drop uh, money on unless, you know, you're one of those people who loves to use uh, credit, which I am not uh, of the mind of. So uh, here I go saving my pennies for Mario Odyssey. <laughs> Density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. Uh, but as we mentioned at the top of the episode, we're not bringing anything new to the table. We're going to be discussing things that have already been put out there specifically uh, in 2017. So I think the biggest thing for us personally is uh, we've found a community of like-minded podcasters and, who share in our enthusiasm about the odd, the strange, and the unknown. So I think that like that both personally and professionally for me has been a very big high point of 2017. How's about you? 
Yeah, we met a few people in the tech side of the podcasting uh, community. Like I mentioned, Alexander and Tyler from uh, RGBA. But um, a lot of our, our podcasting friends have come from the paranormal side. Um, and I, I'm like reticent to name it people because I'm sure I'm going to forget others. But like we definitely want to thank Rob, who was our first guest and has now his own podcast out and about that you definitely need to go download and listen to. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes, actually. Uh, there's Sam and Jason from Not Alone. There's TJ from Pites and Puzzles. There's Chris and Marie from the Mad Scientist podcast. There's the crew over at Secret Transmission. And there's so many all over the place that uh, I'm going to forget to name, but uh, those are a few. I love that you you were like, I'm not going to name any because I'm scared of missing one. And then you named a bunch of them that I agree with. And then uh, once again said, I'm f- afraid of missing one. I know. And there you go. And like, I almost missed the fact that I, I, I was on after the Paracast as well. And uh, this year for the first time after being a mod on in their forums for since like 2009. So it was kind of fun to be able to do that as well. So thanks to all our podcasting buddies out there. We really like um, listening to shows and talking to you guys. And hopefully we'll have you on our show. We like having guests from time to time and um, definitely going to have a few more this year. Uh, to any of those podcasters we've mentioned or anyone out there who has a podcast that we have not yet mentioned. If you want to join us here on Double Density, you can always uh, do so uh, through our socials or emailing us at Double Density Podcast. We uh, are, you know, the doors are open for any sort of collaborative affair and we'd love to hear from you uh, or, you know, talk about having you guys on. So we're always interested in, uh, you know, hearing new voices. (laughs) Call now. Um, so one of the big things for you this year is that I feel like in doing this, I've forced you into learning about, uh, different sides of the internet. I consider myself, uh, a man about town with the internet. I, I kind of use it often. I've been on the internet since the late nineties or even mid nineties when I started CJEP. Like that was the first time I discovered the internet. Uh, but back then all I used to do was just basically go to Alanis Morissette websites because that's like, I was a huge fan. And, uh, and I discovered that there's like these weird things called web rings where you'd get to the bottom of somebody's website and you just keep going to like other podcasts, uh, podcasts. They didn't have podcasts back then, other websites about that same thing. But should we bring that back? The concept of web rings? Like, is that a thing we're going to do in 2018 is bring back the web ring? I feel like we discussed this in a really early episode. Maybe it was a test episode, but I'm just throwing it out there as an idea for, uh, you know, a 2018 project for us is to revitalize the idea of a web ring. A pod pod ring. A couple episodes ago, we wanted to revitalize the idea of the Bermuda Triangle, and now we're out here trying to advocate for the return of web rings. So I don't know uh, how seriously we, we should take ourselves on this one. All these shapes, rings, triangles. But what you were alluding to was the fact that I'd never really learned that much about creepypasta. I didn't really know what it was. Um, I guess I knew it was out there. But you introduced the concept to me via this podcast because you wanted to talk about it. And um, one of the ones that especially stuck with me was um, the one titled Ben Drowned. And it's like about Zelda and the paranormal. So it's like right in our wheelhouse. And the thing with Creepypasta is when you're reading it, it sort of sounds real. Yeah, like there's that plausible kind of aspect to a lot of the best Creepypasta. Some is clearly like uh lies and bs and uh not a thing that right from the get-go that you want to invest yourself in but the good ones tend to meld fantasy and reality especially uh you know stuff over at the no sleep subreddit for example is an excellent example of uh really well done uh creepypasta yeah i like to read those at night to help me go to bed 
helps your sleep paralysis. Yeah, jeez. See, those are the things like that Ben Drown thing. Uh, I remember waiting to get um, an iPad before I would read it. And I tried to read it in bed and that didn't work out. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're giving it the old college try and then ending up realizing that you're going to scare yourself silly. Kind of like what I do every time I want to read the Mothman prophecies uh, late at night and then realize I'm not about to go down that rabbit hole. So, yeah, that's something that um, you've mentioned that you want me to read. I'm not quite sure when I'm going to read it. I'll probably have to just read it on the train if if what you're saying is true. Yes. Uh, for me, one of the more interesting things of 2017 was, uh, in relation to the podcast at least, was uh, revisiting the uh, the alien abduction video, the McPherson tapes, the Dean Eliado film, the one about the family in the house and the the abduction that happens. And I found that really fascinating. And I, I had totally forgotten about it. And then, you know, in doing the podcast and researching it, and I was able to watch it again for the first time in years. And I really, really enjoyed that. That was another thing I'd never really heard of or seen. And it was a lot of fun to watch because that was, uh, that was our, was that our first alien cinema? I think that was the first alien cinema. After that, it was Australian Skies. Yeah, I've only done a couple and I think um, we'll have to add that into our uh, New Year's resolutions list. Yeah, we're due for that uh, at this point. Uh, one of the things that we, uh, so I have this whole section called the missed plans, right? So ideas that we had that we wanted to talk about things in 2017 that we didn't get to. And one of the big ones was a viewing party for the Stan Romanek documentary Extraordinary uh, for various reasons. Uh, I wanted to include my girlfriend on the episode of the podcast because she doesn't really know much about uh, Stan or his quote unquote exploits or anything like that. And I thought it would have been fun to have a uh, quote unquote normie on the show to kind of dive deep into uh, the Stan story and a lot of the weird aspects of that. And I think we hinted at it a bunch of episodes, but unfortunately like it didn't come to be. And I feel slightly uncomfortable doing it now that he's behind bars uh, for, uh, you know, his uh, sexual assault allegations, especially because a lot of the stuff in the movie r- involves a child. It's the, the weird kid he's, he sees that somebody's photoshopped into his pictures, maybe himself. That's his kid, his, his star child. That, that picture's creepy, but like, it's so creepy looking, but it's so fake looking at the same time that it's dumb. I think it's creepy because it is so unnatural, right? Yeah, with the big bug eyes and... Yeah. Yeah, there's... And all the people that say, look, he took a picture, it's on his camera, he could not have photoshopped it. They don't understand how like digital photography works and how files work, but hey... <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately, that was one thing that uh, we wanted to get to that we decided uh, better left alone, I guess, would be the best way to put that. Uh, another thing we wanted to talk about this year that we get the chance to that we keep alluding to is rods. And I know that we've mentioned it in a semi-serious kind of way, but I really wanted to dive deep into the asset, like the, the concept of rods, how they came to be and why Jose Escamilla is wrong. He's very wrong because they're nothing. And we, we kind of also did something with them where how... I had posted that video of that weird orb floating over my kid in the forest. And I wanted people to say, like, to see how that kind of is the same thing as a rod, where it's something that appears on a screen, but because of the way um, a camera works, it kind of doesn't catch it properly and it looks like something it isn't. Uh, but rods, really, at this point, they're pretty much proven to be nothing. So I want to throw something out there that I want you to think about, right? So your kid sees a rod and then your kid sees a man appearing or a figure appearing in back of the moon that he doesn't like. Do you think it's a coincidence? 
So he didn't see the rod. <laughs> that was me shooting a video. But uh, yeah, he hasn't mentioned the moon thing that much anymore. And so since that's happened, we were playing Zelda. It all comes back to Zelda. And there's um, something that happens in, in Breath of the Wild called the Blood Moon, where all the bad guys come back to life. And I think it stems from that. And that's why he doesn't like the moon. Because every time it, the, the blood moon shows up in Zelda, he's like, oh, I, I have to go upstairs for something. Now I'll be right back. So he, he so you're, you're purposely scaring your kid. I'm not purposely scaring my kid. Hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this episode because <laughs> she, she really hates that I play video games with the kids because she thinks it rots their brain. Well, it, it might, but I think there's also a really good educational aspect to it. And it's also like a fun thing to do as a family. It is. And look, my my daughter is getting like, you, you learn some common sense from video games and puzzle solving. She um, There's some like um, circuit solving puzzles in some of the shrines in Breath of the Wild. And she loves those because she actually has a little circuit board that she got as a gift where she has to close circuits and stuff for, it's like physics and stuff, right? Uh, but yeah. She, it's like a science and stuff. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like magnets. How do they work? Good question. Uh, that is a good question for 2018. Uh, listening audience, how do magnets work? Teach Angelo and I. You can go ahead and email us, uh, us your theses over at uh, doubledensitypodcast.gmail.com. And I did say theses, not another word that sounds like that. They <laughs> don't mail any of... Yeah. Uh, there's a good video about the science video by those uh, clown guys. Oh, the insane clown posse, my lords and savior. I have joined the cult, by the way. You have? Well, they, apparently they're becoming more like peaceful and stuff now. So there. I, uh, yeah. There are a lot of misconceptions about jugglers, and I'm not going to go into it now. But uh, suffice it to say, definitely do some research on them uh, if you're at all interested in learning about one of the uh, alleged FBI's top gangs in the nation, which I do not believe it to be true, but whatever. Uh, speaking of things which we uh, do not believe to be true... Tom DeLonge's UFO empire, not a thing that I've invested in. Yeah, still have not invested in that either, uh, but he's making money with that or he's getting investors. Uh, like, I don't think Tom DeLonge's in this for the money, right? Because he's got money from his Blink-182 days. They were a very successful band. He's, uh, he's got money. He doesn't seem like somebody who squandered his, his earnings from that. But so here's the, this is what I believe, right? So Yes, he's a rich man, but he doesn't want to use his own money for these endeavors is what I think it is, right? That's exactly it. He wants to be able to search for extraterrestrial intelligence and reach for the stars or whatever the hell he wants to do and not really use what he's earned from uh, his career to to do that. Because you can burn through a lot of money real quick if you start uh, building... Uh, anti-gravity devices like that amazing thing he wanted the, the those schematics that he showed us that he drew on a napkin or something yeah right and while you said that he's not in it for the money he is guaranteed a hundred thousand dollars a year though right as per the fine print and a lot of the documentation that came out in the filing of uh, the incorporation of the two of the stars academy so there is some money involved there yeah along with whatever he earns from um his blink 182 royalties uh 100 grand a year not a bad thing to just have as uh, walking around money. <laughs> or f flying around money, I guess. Oh, or maybe. like levitation money. Anti-gravity money. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, so I think that uh, that is something that we'll definitely be watching in 2018. Hopefully something comes of it. Yeah, and and that's the like the one takeaway from the Tom DeLonge thing is that we both think he's sincere about it. It's just the way he's gone about this is pretty much all wrong. 
Also, he was way too sweaty during that initial press conference, but that's fine. Yeah. That's just his style. He's There's too much of a Stephen Greer vibe with him, so yeah. Uh, this year has been a lot of fun for me because I got to revisit a lot of the stuff uh, from when I was younger that I never thought I would I'd, uh, take an active interest in again. So this year I was able to go visit the uh, supposed abduction site of Betty and Barney Hill in New Hampshire, which was super cool. And that's the picture I have up on DoubleDensity.net uh, under uh, my host profile. Uh, a lot of fun talking about that case. I think it was uh, episode 14, uh, one of our favorite episodes, I think. For sure. And I always go back to the joy on your face in that image. Uh, you look so happy to be there. Uh, we need to maybe eventually post the full picture of it somewhere. I think you posted on Instagram, so it's on. It's probably on our Instagram account for sure. So go check it out. You see the joy in Brian's face in front of the plaque where uh, a couple was abducted. <laughs> <laughs> a disastrous event that I used for my own personal satisfaction, but that's okay. Another great thing I got to do is dive deep and find some of my favorite uh, French uh, UFO uh, comic books, which I thought were lost to me forever. But strangely enough, I started looking for them and I almost found them in like very different places. So there was a take a book, leave a book in my, uh, on, on my old street that I used to live on. And at the end of the street, uh, mid May, I go in and take a look. And sure enough, that's one of the three volumes was there. And then I found a compendium of all three uh, volumes for five bucks. Unfortunately, the spine's a little gone, but that's okay. I'm willing to nurse it back to life. So that was a lot of uh, fun too, as well as reading books that I didn't think I'd read again, like the, uh, the captured book by uh, Betty's uh, niece, I think. And uh, books like alien agenda by Jim Mars, as well as uh, George Knapp's hunt for the Sk- uh, skinwalker. Uh, and gosh, so much more And I'm planning to read uh, much more next year or this year too. Right. So I'm planning on continuing that great uh, kind of uh, two birds, one stone of reading a uh, really fun books as well as prepping for our podcast episodes. Hunt for the Skinwalker was pretty great. I uh, I enjoyed it. And that was another of those books where I had to read during the day in bright daylight because I tried a few times to read before bed and it didn't work. The thing for me that's fun is like my brain's very rational, but I love letting go and just imagining what if and, you know, pretending in that weird gray zone that like things exist in this world that, you know, we're not necessarily sure of. So while I'm mostly uh, a skeptic, it's also fun to sort of indulge that uh, fun, crazy side of reading a lot of these books. And I think you agree with that. Yeah, that's something we've established over the last uh, little while of doing this podcast is that we're both pretty skeptical. Um I guess I'm the more skeptical one of the two of us. Yes. But even even with that, uh, we've established that I'm easily frightened by these bizarre things that I don't believe in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just fun, as I was saying. So that's one of the things that I'm looking to continue uh, this year. And you and I plan to uh, continue hunting for cryptids, uh, just like last year's Chicago Mothman, which was a really fun episode to do. That was fun, and uh, I wonder if there's anything solved with that. I haven't heard much in the last few months about it, um, but we don't live in Chicago, so we don't really know much about it. Uh, We'll have to go do some research about that and maybe revisit it later on this year. Something that we actually did talk about after uh, preempting it, I think for a month straight, was uh, Lake Monsters, right? So uh, we're going to add that into the cryptids folder of things to look out for in 2018. Maybe we'll find our own cryptid that we'll get to name. Maybe we'll take a trip down to upstate New York, go to Lake Champlain, uh, and see if we can find Champ. Sit in a boat for a couple hours or go down to Magog and just look for the Memphrey Magog monster. Yeah, both are equally distant from where we are, so not bad. Memphrey, the Memphrey Magog monster, I think is his actual name, Memphrey, not Memphrey Magog. Yeah, something like that. He's on a coin because we're cool in Canada. 
We are definitely way cooler than our American counterparts. <laughs> and probably uh, lost most of our listeners. <laughs> Do you have any uh, 2018 like paranormal resolutions? Because I have one I'm going to share in a sec, but I'm just wondering if you've given any thought to anything that you'd like to sort of do or see or think about in the coming year. Can you share yours? And I'm going to think about it. All right. So my plan for 2018 is to actually sit down and do a thorough read through of a lot of the Nostradamus quatrains and uh, uh, connect those uh, to current news stories retroactively, like everyone in the world does and sort of make up my own theories and see where it goes and see how many people I can fool with my interpretations of uh, centuries old texts. You're going to have John Hogue coming after you with that because that you're like encroaching into his territory with that. I, and when you say that, I picture the both of us, he and I with robes shooting uh, like, like wizards, like a wizard showdown would occur where he challenges my wizardness uh, in the domain of uh, Nostradamical uh, treatises. You're going to have to grow your beard a little longer though. Yeah, I'm actually going to have to go into a couple more television shows and do a couple more radio appearances too, in order to match his level of, uh, uh, public uh, awareness, not you know. So I, I'm going to be working on that this year too. Yeah, he's. I, I every time I love his Chiron, it's always some weird like Nostradamus scholar thing, or uh, one of them was Rogue scholar, not Rhodes, <laughs> Rogue, because he's you know he's he's a bad boy of scholars. Um, so I just love the idea that they're actual like legitimate scholars who like tisk at him whenever he shows up on the public scene. Yeah, he's he's just not the um, he's not the epitome of what an academic normally would look like or be like. He actually looks like an academic. He doesn't really act like one. He's just a bit odd. And well, now I'm describing most academics, but he's he's he just keeps changing his story. Is what he does. But by using, okay, so forgetting the last statement you made, but by using uh, the definition you gave before, you're describing the Jeff Goldblum character from Jurassic Park, right? Because he's a mathematician, but he's also a bad boy. Oh, yeah, I guess. And uh, and his character from uh, Independence Day. Yeah, right. So uh, by your definition, Dr. Ian Malcolm is a bad boy of science. Uh, John Hogue is also a bad boy of science, so I don't know how I feel about putting those two in the same category, but something to think about as we continue our year. I don't know how you could put John Hogue and science in the same sentence. Double density. Yeah, I hope John Hogue doesn't listen to this because uh, he might come after us. And that's fine. Well, we're ready and available. We'll give him our, our, our Skype addresses. You know, we'll talk and hang out. So after that extended John Hogue discussion, I think I my New Year's resolution would be to look at the sky more. Because, you know, I live in this UFO hotspot. I've got to be able to see a UFO in the sky somehow. Um, and I don't know when or how, but I think this year maybe we'll be able to capture a UFO on video here in my backyard. We'll have to have another backyard uh, barbecue UFO hunt again, because that was a lot of fun last year. So New Year's resolution, Brian, we're going to wa- capture a UFO on video while we have a backyard fire cookout. Such lofty aspirations. I'm really into this, by the way. I definitely agree that I'd love to join in on a UFO hunt again. Last time was really fun. We saw a lot of uh, planes, a lot of satellites, and a lot of great stars, uh, but no questionably moving objects, right? So um, that is something that we still need to uh, see for ourselves, especially within the context of recording an episode. We had um, a lot of trouble seeing anything of any value in the sky. But at least we left there with our microphones smelling like fire. 
which I will never get mad at. Uh, another quick resolution I think is I've had this idea for years. I'm going to throw it by you. I want to see what you think. Uh, not necessarily paranormal, just kind of like odd, I guess I'm thinking about starting my own cult in 2018 because everyone else is kind of doing it anyway. So why not? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, you, you have the face for it. <laughs> I also have the idea behind it. So my idea is a Thanksgiving based cult and it shall be called who will eat our Turkey when we are gone. And it's an apocalyptic cult. Are you going to poison the turkey? Well, no, the idea is just, you know, when we are gone, who will eat our turkey, Heaven's Gate style. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> That's fine. I'm probably not going to be uh, super serious about it. <laughs> It'd be funny to see you, like, go whole hog into this cult thing, canceling our podcast recordings. Look, I can't. Look, I've got cult business tonight. Can't record. <laughs> I'm going to head to the bunker. Yeah, no time to prepare for the show. These star charts told me that, you know, today is not a good day to be outdoors. Or every week, we, uh, we uh, get together to do the show. I say, so, Brian, do you um, look up anything about uh, the flying saucer? And you'll be like, what flying saucer? Let's talk about cults. Yeah, let's talk about my cult. Maybe be a really interesting audio uh, uh, autobiography of my descent into madness. It sounds like it's starting right now. Oh, perfect. Thanks, Angela. <laughs> and I guess with that, we can actually start wrapping up episode 36 of the Double Density Podcast. As always, you can find us over on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram, double density podcast. Head over to our website at double density.net to find out more about us. Click on the episodes link to check out our archives, as well as uh, the blog page to check out some of the work we've done. And you can hit up the host uh, page to find out more about us and click on contact in order to get in touch with us. And also, if you'd like to drop a review in the iTunes slash whatever they call it these days, Apple store, we'd greatly appreciate that. Right, Angelo? Of course. Um, it's the Apple pod. It's Apple podcasts. Uh, review is always appreciated. I don't feel like we have enough reviews, but, um, and I don't know if they make any sort of difference, but it makes a difference to us. We want to know what you think. And if we deserve your five stars, please give them to us. And if we deserve less than that, let us know why and what we can do to get to that five-star rating. Uh, a hint, hint, if uh, someone would suggest uh, we do an Apple-free episode, I'd be into that, but that's just maybe never in the cards for us, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe that should be our, our New Year's resolution for the tech side of things. And as a big wrap up for 2015, a huge thanks to every single one of our listeners out there who uh, we, as Angela was saying before, we've exceeded our wildest expectations in terms of a uh, an initial plan that we had planned to hit in terms of a user count uh, per episode. And it's kind of mind boggling to think that there's so many out there uh, listening to us on a continual basis and enjoying what we do. So a uh, huge thank you uh, from the bottom of my super black heart. <laughs> Yeah, um, and thanks for me as well. Uh, I'm I'm less black-hearted than Brian, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been great. We love hearing what you think about us and getting your interactions on Twitter and via email. So keep going, keep listening. Let us know what we can do to uh, make you even happier and want to listen more. And as I said before, this has been episode 36 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we talk about rods. Really? For real. No, no. We're not going to talk about rods, dude. Nostradamus, maybe? Nostradamus and rods. What about that combined as like a single theory? Rod Nostradamus. That was his name. <laughs> that was his alias when he was like a, you know, trying to uh, get adult items shipped to his home. Yeah, maybe. All right, we got to end this, Brian. <laughs> See you, Angela. Bye, Brian. Bye.
Happy New Year. Yay.